Warning. The following podcast may contain explicit language. It will certainly contain heterodoxy, political pandemonium, and graphic depictions of alcohol use. Listeners may rest assured that at the time of recording this episode, all participants had nowhere to drive. The Cocktail Party Congress encourages you to drink and think responsibly. In vino veritas. Liberty is too precious a thing to be buried in books, Miss Saunders. Men should hold it up in front of them every single day of their lives and say, I'm free to think and to speak. My ancestors couldn't. I can. And my children will. You know, I'm a voter. Aren't you supposed to lie to me and kiss my butt? Him. Really? I mean, where do you think they went? I don't know. This is odd. I mean, we did take that left at Albuquerque. Maybe that's where we left them. Let's hope so. Fingers crossed. Anyway, folks, welcome back to the Cocktail Party Congress, the only Woo. political podcast <laughs> to our knowledge <laughs> with a three-drink minimum. I'm JT Andrews. And I'm Dan Caves. We've we've been on the run lately. Uh, <laughs> I know it's been a while. It's, it, it's really hard to set up your laptop on the Yeti when uh, when we're you know being chased by the man. I mean we uh, we we probably shouldn't have defied the Illuminati on our last uh, our last attempts at a moment of clarity, but you know, shit happens. I suppose it does. It does. Anyway, folks. Uh, I suppose we have something a little bit different, you know, just stir the pot, I guess. Yeah. Uh, There's been, we're only, we're we're not even all the way through January of of 2019, and so much has happened. I know. So much. The whole problem is that, so we, we try not to just stick to, current events we like to talk about big ideas but we're living in an era where it's only been two years of this presidency and it feels like an entire decade's worth of news has happened i know yeah and and i think that's we we kind of need to address this this elephant in the room we do is that a pun jt is is that like a political cartoon pun it, it wasn't meant to be but it totally can be I'm, I'm gonna sucker. take it. Yeah, I'm gonna take I'm a it. I'm a glut. Point. I'm a glutton for punishment. Yeah, that's oh, God. But <laughs> oh, how dare you? Uh, and in uh, in service of discussing current events, JT, I move the podcast that we suspend our current rule to not speak the president's name without having to take a drink. Uh, what say you? Uh, I, I I second the motion. All in favor. Aye. Aye. All right. The motion carries. I don't know if that's a quorum or not, but uh, so President Trump, how about him? <laughs> oh. I know. No, we have uh, to do it, JT. We have to do it for the listeners. They've been they've been in the dark for too long about our full uh, opinion on what's going on, and I think we owe it to them that we we talk about it for a bit. It, it does for the sake of drunken journalism. Uh, <laughs> 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 Which could explain us being on the run from the man. I know. We speak, knows a, little, we speak a little too freely. The man knows that we're going to be all up in his face giving him the business. I know. And, and in veto tip Veritas is our motto, and sometimes that is not the best policy. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, it's a policy. It's a good strategy, but no guarantees it'll work. No, not at all. But... Uh, yeah, so it's it's good to be back, cocktail partiers. It's yeah. uh, you we're, know, it's we're been, sorry for our very long hiatus here. It it, it happens, and it's gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I can't explain why it's gonna happen, but you know, uh, sadly, get used to it. But we're gonna continue to give you as much content as possible. It's just you know, it's gonna be intermittent. It's called life. It is. It it, it is, and good things are happening behind the scenes. It's just. Uh, uh, doesn't leave that much time for podcasting. Nope. 
I work f- no. I work full time. Yeah. Weird shift work and yeah. uh and then Dan's at law school. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's it's gone. So uh let's see if I can't just blow everything away uh my entire future on this one podcast. So Well, at least you get a couple of drinks out of it. Speaking of drinks, this yeah. is delicious. Yeah. Please enlighten enlighten us. Tonight we are drinking a Moscow mule. Yep. Yeah, so because you, uh Moscow Mule I I think it should be called the Moscow Muller. Yep, we got the Moscow Mueller going uh going in our copper mugs here. So, uh to yep, make one at mugs. home. Yeah, uh, like uh, JT, I love the story of the Moscow Mule because it's mm-hmm. it's just a it's a testament to just marketing whatever you possibly can. There's absolutely no reason for it to be in a copper mug. There's absolutely no reason for it to be with ginger beer. It was just because the people who invented it just happened to have a lot of those things on hand. And, like, vodka wasn't marketable at the time. And it's like, hey, let's get people to drink vodka. And it's just... Well, necessity is the mother of invention. That's how we got the Caesar salad. It wasn't because of some brilliant stroke of genius. It was, this is all that's left in the fridge. Yeah, I know, right? So the Caesar salad of cocktails to the Moscow Mule. If you want to make one at home and drink along, uh, you're going to need two ounces of vodka, a half an ounce of lime juice, uh, the rest of the lime for garnish, and uh, six ounces of your choice of ginger beer. Uh... Grab a Collins glass or a copper mug if you've uh, fallen onto the bandwagon on that one. And uh, put in your lime juice, your vodka, a bunch of ice cubes, you know, fill her up. Top with ginger beer and uh, stir it up. Garnish with a wedge of lime and you've got yourself a Moscow mule. And you can play with the proportions to to suit your your needs. Some people like a little more ginger beer. I like a little more pep in my step, so... I got a little little bit more heavy on the vodka. Yeah, there you go. But I uh, like vodka. Yeah, but yeah, vodka's great. V- vodka makes anything taste the same but also be alcoholic. You know? Um I mean, ginger beer is also very peppery. So if you like a a little more spice in your life, go with more ginger beer. Go with what really makes you happy. This you know? would be really really good on a very hot summer day, but it's like freezing outside right now yeah we're we're recording this in the dead of winter and it's uh you know it's warming us up by constricting our blood vessels which ironically is making our body temperatures lower but we feel warmer but it lifts the spirits it does so yeah and just like well unlike the moscow mule which has nothing to do with moscow or russia Today's episode, we're talking about some of the stuff that's in the news. We're recording this on January 26th, 2019. No guarantee you will hear this anytime. And <laughs> namely, we will be talking about those two things, Moscow yeah. and, and and maybe mules. But yeah. definitely a Mueller. A Mueller yeah, is going to be in there. Definitely special counsel Robert Mueller is going to come up in this episode. Um, it's Mueller time. It is. So, how do we want to tackle this one? I mean, we're recording it at the... It seems like we have our episodes right around a shutdown of some kind. Why? We're not to blame, folks. That's not why we're on the run. Pure coincidence. (laughs) No, we have nothing to do with this last government shutdown. The longest in U.S. history lasted a total of 35 days. And it ended yesterday. J- 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 JT, do, do you want to maybe give us some background on uh, on what happened yesterday overall? Yesterday was yesterday just tickled me pink because the shutdown ended uh, pretty much where it started. It, 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 we just decided to open the government back up. Yeah. Nothing was gained uh, on either side. It just yeah. This whole one was about uh, the border wall. You know, President Trump. He he last what was it? It was before the new year. He met with uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, the majority leader of the Senate, and uh, I'm, I'm, minority leader of the Senate, and the Speaker of the House. 
um, respectively, and was like proudly declared he was glad to shut down the government over the border wall. And yeah, and, and before that, he yeah. was issued a uh, a a bill, a bipartisan bill that did not include any sort of border wall funding. And he actually said he, he would be willing to sign it. And then the next day, uh, I know Ann Coulter called him gutless. Yeah, and a whole then, bunch of conservative media just called him on it. And, of course, he had to cave right in. And right after that, yeah. he's like, nope, we're shutting her down. Mm-hmm. And now we've reopened for three weeks. And then I bet he's going to declare a national emergency, which I don't know how it constitutes an emergency humanitarian crisis maybe but well i would say definitely but national emergency that's pushing it yeah anyway shutdown officially ended so the workers are going to get their paychecks along with back pay which is Mm -hmm. good yeah but the news that really tickled me pink was uh it was during my commute home. I was working night shift. Yeah, we all woke up to this news. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so it's like seven o'clock in the morning. Turn on, uh, turn on my car, start driving down, and I heard the news that none other than Roger Stone was arrested by the FBI, mm. and I gave a cheer <laughs> in the car while I'm driving. I was so excited. Because this is, he's one of the most manipulative and darkly influential figures in in the political sphere. And it was, it made me so happy that he has been arrested. Yeah. On, I, 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 seven counts, I believe. Seven different counts. Uh, yeah, five, seven different counts it, of... It's um... five, five of... I don't remember the five. I believe it was oh, five yeah. counts so, of five counts of of false statements. Mm-hmm. One of uh, witness tampering. The other is mm-hmm. uh, obstruction, obstruction of proceedings. Of proceedings. Yeah, yeah uh, he he earned those honors in his his uh, dealings with the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, having to do with uh, the. Uh, the Trump campaigns, the 2016 presidential campaigns, purported connections to um, Russia, and uh, particularly in the indictment, uh, they make it pretty clear that they're talking about uh, Roger Stone had regular contact with Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. Uh, not stated directly, of course. Uh, yeah, the, the, r- special know, counsel. Per, per, what is he? Person three or, or in this? Uh, I, I I believe <laughs> it's so. I love the way that Robert Mulder writes. It, it's yes. it's all so mysterious, but it gives you a, a lot of information to try to figure out who it is. It's not that hard to figure out um, that organization one, which is WikiLeaks, because uh, the indictment lays out that organization one's head. I think he's just the head of Organization yeah, One, could be as, as stated. Yeah, the, 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 there is a mysterious person one, a person two, and head of Organization One. And the head of Organization One is described as um, living, for all intents and purposes, completely at the Ecuadorian Embassy in London, England. Which you know that could be an, literally anybody. You know, JD. Yeah. It, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's the the groundskeeper. But yeah. I doubt very much so that the groundskeeper is uh, locked into a uh, a political scheme. Yeah, yeah, and so like throughout the campaign, he, they detailed all the contacts that he had with Organization One, WikiLeaks, of course, um, and then the indictment gets into the details of him lying about those connections to the House and inducing Person Number Two to join him in said lies. Uh, and there we have it. It's an incredible story. I mean, like, first of all, JT, um, and listeners, if you haven't seen the incredible documentary Get Me Roger Stone on Netflix right now, go watch it, like, immediately. Yeah, I I watched it last night uh, after hearing the news. I I poured myself a really nice scotch to celebrate this great moment, and I watched the documentary. And frankly, I had, yeah, 
and I had been putting it off for a long time. And so I took this opportunity to really acquaint myself. And um, there's really no way for what the Trump people are trying to do right now is distance themselves from Roger Stone. There is absolutely no way that they could credibly distance themselves from Roger Stone after you see this documentary. It is very coincidental that the day that, you know, Stone was arrested very early morning. Yeah. Or was it late at night? I don't remember. Anyway, uh, I believe it was early morning. He was arrested. And then that day, suddenly, Trump folds to to end the shutdown. Yeah, that that, that was something like it, it was all defiance and whatnot. And then just hours later, he caves in and starts playing yeah. nice with the House of Representatives. And like, maybe that's coincidence. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm thinking it's coincidence, but the, <laughs> the evil bastard in me want, wants to think it's a conspiracy, but I, I doubt it. I don't know if uh, it's well, conspiracy. I, I don't even know conspiracy. Just, it's just like, but it, it's it's Trump realizing that he's not as immune as he thought. Yeah, and, and especially he's got he's to start playing nice with with the Democratic House. Yeah, and especially when you consider just how closely related Roger Stone and the president's 2016 campaign is to see him go down. It has to be like this is getting very close. And they've worked together and you know been friends for decades i mean they're they're not old acquaint i mean they are old acquaintances it's not like he picked this guy to run a campaign or anything yeah it's it's him and uh manafort roger stone and paul manafort and then uh black they all had a political consultant Mm -hmm. firm that you know, rose out of the, the in the uh, the 1980s, they were pretty much responsible for the birth of the PAC, the Political Action Committee. Yeah, I had never really considered that. What we might be seeing right now, we're seeing Paul Manafort go down, um, Roger Stone possibly going down. I, I never considered that connection that they were really responsible for creating the the conditions that at least were having to deal with right now and we're almost watching the end maybe not the end of an era but uh it's not like paul manafort is some flunky who just came out of nowhere i mean he's been in the thick of the dirty the dirtying up of politics as we know it this is like i feel like the um the opposing party right now the democratic party is starting to really challenge the the big money in politics maybe not their own money but i feel like big money in politics is certainly coming up in indirectly like they're going mm-hmm. after the people that that started it um cuz you keep seeing the rise of of the lobbyists uh, from mm-hmm. the 1980s when this all began with the PACs to today, where the idea of money being used for political speech effectively without mm-hmm. pretty much without limitations on the amount you can donate. Uh, so you have a lot of corporate interests, these, these folks who have uh, incredible amounts of disposable money that they can throw at campaigns to get further tax cuts, to get even richer. And, um, and that mentality being upheld in the citizens United decision of Mm -hmm. of very recently. um, Honestly, I think that's one of the biggest uh, threats to the American Republic is, are these uh, gigantic corporate interests in in politics, so you have mm-hmm. big money, uh, effectively buying candidates, and if the PACs don't like what you have to say, they're going to withdraw their funding, and you'll be a nobody. Mm. I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, and um, <clears throat> Citizens United seems like it's going to be its own show, uh, but it's funny that you you. You describe it as a recent decision. It's almost been 10 years since Citizens United. I think it was a 2010 decision by the Supreme Court. Yeah. Yeah. I'm showing my age. 
Yeah, yeah. I know, right? When I think yeah. when I think the seventies, I think you know twenty years ago. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Like, and again, that's the irony of the age that we're living in. I mean, it's, we've only been in this administration for two years, but it feels like a decade of news has passed. But a decade old Supreme Court case feels fresh, and we're still and yeah. I feel yeah, like we're it still became with it. it became very relevant, especially today. Yeah, just just with uh, uh, the ideas of campaign finance, yeah, and how uh, how campaigns are financed, and honestly, if we're gonna fix this, you, we have to get politicians in there that are willing to to challenge that, mm-hmm. which is very difficult because the only people that seem to get elected are the people who are backed by these by these packs. Yeah, super packs, I think, is the term and that the generally super, comes up. Yep, the super yeah. packs. Yeah, and, and, and that's something I've thought about, too, and um, especially connecting it back to this whole Russian influence campaign during the 2016 uh, uh, presidential race that uh, is being investigated by Special Counsel Mueller. Uh, Citizens United, structurally, I feel, m- made it easier for political activists to... Uh, Launder is the right is that the right term to yeah, sort of like l- l- be, be, let's be, call it what it is. Well, there is still so tech. So if I'm understanding the the opinion just based off of my own uh, recollection right now, it's still the, the, there are still campaign finance restrictions on directly giving to political campaigns. Correct. But, su- but super PACs are issue advocacy groups, special and the, interest groups, special it's... interest groups. Yeah. They're not directly related. They're not supposed to be directly related to uh, any given political campaign. But you could have a super PAC in support of Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or whatever you want to, uh, whatever you want to say. And those, you're not directly giving to uh, the campaign itself, but you're giving to a super PAC that is in support of an issue or the issue of this uh, this candidate. And so you can you can sort of launder the the campaign money in by you know it's and, and through that function and so that is a really easy way to just sneak things in. I remember in 2010, President Obama uh, during one of his State of the Union addresses, I think, warned that the Citizens United and uh, case may make it easier for foreign powers to influence our elections because that money could be coming from anywhere and and and, 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 and if and, you look yeah. and if you look at uh in the case of Paul Manafort his former boss was, was the ousted leader of of Ukraine like yeah Viktor Yanukovych yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, previous employee, uh, like on, on that resume pro, for that job, a, a pro Russian <laughs> leader, you know, we're starting to see what could very well have been Russian money being filtered through offshore accounts of people like Paul Manafort and ending up in the pockets of these super PACs that, or given to campaigns directly in order to influence the American election. Yeah. I would love the. To see the job application for Paul Manafort to become uh, campaign chair for for Donald Trump, it's like reasons for leaving previous employer, coup d'état. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my boss was kind of overthrown. Yeah, I we mean, don't it like happens. To talk about it. Yeah, it happens. You know. <laughs> oh wow. Um, I, I I'd like to think that Roger Stone is the. Uh, possibly the avatar of some ancient trickster god because when you really look at his career and see where he's come from it's just ballsy. i wouldn't doubt it <laughs> like, he's so he's so friggin' ballsy he is <laughs> like that, that's one of the things i can almost admire about the guy is that he's pretty much made it his job to find the loopholes very big loopholes in the American uh, election system. And he thrives off of it. He's and he will continuously say, I did nothing illegal. 
which to me suggests that he has made it his job to take advantage of the system. <laughs> He's made his for, job to figure out what's ri- illegal for and the stay right just price. on the other side of it. <laughs> yep, and for the right price. One of the things he loves just as much as the political games is the money that he can get from doing yeah. what he loves. Yeah. Impeccable dresser. Dresses yeah. like the penguins sometimes. Uh, his his wardrobe should be against the Geneva Convention. His arrest is <laughs> worth that. Oh, those suits are terrible. Oh, no, but he, he wears it like he owns it. You got to yeah, respect he, that. He does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 can... will, I will say, if a man who wears, walks down the street wearing a suit like that, he ain't afraid of anything. Yeah, it's it's incredible stuff. Uh Speaking of incredible, one of my favorite parts of the uh, indictment. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take a moment and just try to pull up the actual excerpt because it is just too good to be true. Uh, There is a paragraph of Robert Mueller's indictment of Roger Stone. While, While you're pulling that up. Yeah, uh, no, please, please. While yeah. you're pulling that up, I Fill would just my like to, to give you an idea of what kind of person Roger Stone is. The man has Richard Nixon's face yes. tattooed on his back. Oh, my God, like, yes. actually has Richard Nixon. It's not a caricature or anything. It's a Richard Nixon portrait on his back. Yeah, it's like something off of a uh, off of a campaign button. Yeah, that that's really all you need to know about this man. Yeah, he was a Nixon operative. He was part of the what? Like he was like nineteen enlisted yeah. as a, uh, a, a beneficiary of Watergate money. It's, it's yeah. just like, yeah, he, he's like the he's like the Leonard Zelig of political tricksterism. Like, I, I think didn't he mention that like Roy Cohn was like his one of his heroes? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the McCarthy lawyer, Roy Cohn. Yeah, speak. I'm, I'm, oh my God! Ooh. So I found it. Uh, it's on page 19 of the indictment. You can get it on the Justice Department's website. And uh, on multiple occasions, including on or about December 1st, 2017, Stone told Person Two that Person Two should do a Frank Pentangeli before the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence in order to avoid contradicting Stone's testimony. Frank Pantangeli is a character in the film The Godfather Part 2, which both Stone and Person 2 had discussed. Unquote. Like, to me, that suggests on multiple occasions they've discussed this entire scene. Back to it. Who testifies before a congressional committee and in that testimony claims to not know critical information that he does, in fact, know. I didn't know no Godfather. I never know no Godfather. (laughs) I run my own family, Senator. (laughs) Like, that's just... I feel like that's the that really swole my heart to just no end to, to that that's the way that they see themselves that they're like comparing themselves. You gotta pull a Frank Pantangeli. You gotta you gotta deny it, or I'm flying your brother in from the old country, like that kind of thing. Like, and that's that's one of uh, the so-called Stones rules that he came up with is deny everything. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, and and Trump, like, like the president has been uh, following these rules. Whenever a scandal comes out that implies that he did some sort of wrongdoing, he denies it. And then later on, when the evidence goes public, he will then back away from his denial and try to try to skew it in his way. I, I mean, uh, yeah, just look at look at the even the narrative of of the whole Trump Russia affair we've gone from as, as told yeah, by like, Rudy Giuliani yeah as Remember, told by Rudy Giuliani like, <laughs> like i we've gone from there was no collusion period at all to collusion is not a crime to technically correct yeah to uh, <laughs> like technically, they, let's see. To uh, Donald Trump did not collude, but we cannot talk about the campaign members. I mean, before it was no no member of the Trump campaign colluded, and they're they're right. Collusion itself is not a crime. However, obstructing justice definitely is conspiracy. And, yeah, yeah, conspiracy. 
uh, all sorts of, yeah. of other crimes like that fall under this this collusion category. Colluding yeah, with a like foreign media power, term to, of art. yeah, yeah, colluding yeah. with a foreign power to influence the American election is one of the biggest things that I think the founding fathers wanted to do away with. They wanted to protect America from that. And here we are saying, Oh, don't worry. It's not a crime. And that, that, that bothers me quite a bit. It really ruffles my feathers. (sighs) That really pisses in my Wheaties. It (laughs) grinds my gears to no end. (laughs) It really, it really dusts up my robe. It, uh, what are some other terms we can throw at this? That really, really pokes holes really in my condom. My teeth. There we go. Um, what else? That really waters down my drink. There we go. I think, I think that um, it, that's it. Just gonna, <laughs> yeah, just gonna, there you go. That waters down my drink. There we go. I was waiting for you to react to it, damn it. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, well, thank Love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh so Roger so Robert Mueller special counsel Robert Mueller still operating despite this uh, ridiculous shutdown that just ended um indicted Roger Stone and hours later the president uh caved in no other real way to put it he got nothing as a matter of fact he he isn't even getting the state of the union I, I just saw that headline tonight. That I did not uh, spe- see that tonight. Speaker Pelosi. Yeah. So in case you missed it, listeners, uh, the uh, there was originally a deal to postpone the State of the Union, which should have happened already. Uh, it usually happens around uh, what would be inauguration day for a non-inaugural year. Um, but there were, you know, Speaker Pelosi brought up uh, security concerns about, uh, you know, how are we going to safely get everybody into the House chamber when the government has shut the fuck down? <laughs> uh, which is the real, like, smart political reason to give for why not to have the State yeah. of the Union speech. I think there's a bigger reason, bigger political reason, yeah. which is there's a constitutional duty for the president to periodically give a State of the Union address. Article 2, Section 3. I actually have it in front of me if you want to read it. Oh, good deal. Yeah, they're talking talking about the president, and it says he shall from time to time give to the Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. And, Thank you, JT. And and that's what he's required pretty much to inform Congress of the State of the Union. And yeah. it, it's only been in, I think, the last hundred years uh, that it's been very public. It's been an actual speech to yeah. Congress because uh, he could yeah. submit it in writing. Like, and that's, presidents have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, t- t- it's Thomas a very, Jefferson it's suppo- did that. It's supposed yeah. to be a very dull affair. It is. And the way that it's transformed into a bit of a king's speech really bugs the hell out of me. And so it's a constitutional duty to deliver the State of the Union, but it is a upright privilege to get to do so by assembling together the entire force of the federal government, of the three branches of government, and to do so on, you know, national television, get your ego stroked for a night. That is a privilege. Even if Speaker Pelosi just framed it as that. When you're ready to act like an adult, check back. Otherwise, submit it in writing or move on. I feel like that would have been just as uh, compelling a reason than um, linking it to security concerns over the shutdown, personally. But, you know. Yeah. I'm an old fogey, you know, about those sorts of things. So and it, <laughs> it, it doesn't even necessarily need to be, you know, Nancy Pelosi, you know, as a person doing this. It could have been, you know, any one of the pe- numerous people they could have put in the position of Speaker of the House. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, it, it's I, I just think like the Speaker of the House the, has to invite the president to give the to give the speech. They have to invite the president to give the speech. I think they're yeah. very, very much so. Uh, in our current House of Representatives, so the 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 opinion that uh, if the president's going to act like a baby, you're damn well, damn sure we're going to treat him like one. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And so, uh, yeah. One of the things that's going to bug me about this, though, is I, I foresee either a second shutdown coming in three weeks mm-hmm. or he's just going to declare emergency powers like right off the bat and, and get his wall anyway. Mm. Now, one of the things that really bothers me about that is that it sets precedent. It means that the president, even when it's not a an emergency this it, it you know he can spin it however he wants but this is not a national emergency mm-hmm. uh to use military funding to to build a wall um, yeah it, it's just the president it, that the president can just make shit up and yeah, call it an emergency i mean and what, like, what's the and i i, I tell you know, Republicans that it's like, what's the stop the Democrats from declaring a national emergency on things like global warming? Oh yeah. Like what's the stop them from just suddenly taking executive powers and using them to, to do something that furthers their own agendas. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. As noble as they may be, or as detrimental as they may be, what's to stop them after this precedent is set, Mm -hmm. they would take an act of Congress. And it would take the signature of a president or the the votes needed to overturn a veto. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I I completely agree with you on that. It's just you always have to think forward to what the next person would do with the same power. You know, you can't always just assume that you are the only one who's going to exercise this power, that you are the party that is always going to have access to that power. You always have to consider that— if you do this, you are normalizing it for the next president, and that next president might be someone that you absolutely hate. Do you want someone who you absolutely hate to have the same power? Precisely. I yeah. feel like I feel like the legislative branch needs to grow some teeth and take a lot of the power that they've been slowly giving up over the past decades and even centuries. Slowly, well, they've been giving up a lot of their power to the executive yeah. branch, and they need to grow a set of teeth. And take that power back in order to restore the the, the balance of powers. And that's something that no 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 finish the the, the, the yeah. driving force of the American Republic should be the legislative branch, not the oh, executive yeah. branch. Yeah. Completely agreed. And I, I honestly think that if anything good is going to come out of this presidency, it's going to be that. It's going to be um, Congress reasserting itself as uh, and and you're seeing it already with uh, Speaker Pelosi's uh, handling of this entire situation. Like she's using the language, at least in the public uh, in the public sphere. We are a co-equal branch of government. We're not here to do your bidding. We are here to check you to balance against you. And there's not much more than you can do about that other than be willing to work with an equal branch. And that's really the way that the founders intended it. And if um, if he has any problem with that, whether it be Congress or the courts, then fuck him. Fuck him right in his <laughs> cotton candy orange hair. It's just like, <laughs> like uh, frankly, that's really all you can say is like for all of this like imperial deference that we give to the presidency these days, you got two other branches of government with just as much authority, maybe on different things, but like equal, equally balanced sets of powers. And if you don't like it, just, you know, Get fucked. Get fucked right in the face. <laughs> I hope a future employer never finds this podcast, but, you know, that's really that's really where I am on it. It's just like, deal with it, man. You got to work with the rest of the government. Yep. You can't just shut it down when you don't get your friggin' steel barrier at the border or something like that, you know. Yeah. It, it's just like... Why are we behaving like this, ladies and gentlemen, fellow listeners? Because fuck them, that's why. Yeah. That's the attitude of a president that we have. It's just, you know. I, th- I think... In vino veritas, JT. In vino <laughs> fucking veritas. So I, I feel like... Uh, I feel like the current Speaker of the House is handling the president... Uh, as she knows 
best and she she knows what she's doing especially when it comes oh, to yeah. the state of the yeah. union she's taken away his audience that's where he derives a lot of his power yeah. is his appeal to his base and if he can't appeal to his base he he's losing teeth you know he's losing his teeth over the matter yeah um oh speaking of which <laughs> yeah go ahead speaking of which I checked uh, the subreddit R the Donald before <laughs> recording here, and oh to say the least, they are no longer worshipful of President Trump. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's that's pretty much where I'm going to leave it. I think there was that's some darker great. stuff that came right after the shutdown, but as of tonight, of the night of the 26th. The Donald has been taken over by a it, it, it's just replete with ironic posts about Donald Glover. <laughs> oh, that's great. Certainly not the only childish Gambino to be worshipped on that on that subreddit, <sighs> but like that's who's been really like it's no longer about Donald Trump. It's like do whatever the fuck you want. Donald Glover memes, whatever you're going to do. It's just like, we're done. We're done with him. Uh, That's, yeah. That really yeah. brightens my day. <laughs> Is the president now the cuck of cucks? The cuck to end all cucks. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he is now. He, I, 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 I feel like that's where it. That's where you really see it. It unravel is when his base decides that he's a, he, he's a cuck. When, when his base dumps him. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And they're starting to. I mean, his, his approval ratings are the lowest point of his presidency uh, yeah. currently. I think I saw something like uh, 57% disapprove or maybe more than that. I don't know. So. Yeah, because th there's a difference between disapproving and approving yeah. and, and like and being somewhere in the middle. Like there's yeah. like there, there are a lot of people in the middle of the road. I think it was something like... Is either thirty one or thirty seven percent? I think his approval rating is. Yeah. But I'm not sure. I mean, statistics can make you can make them say whatever you want. Ninety, eighty seven percent of statistics are made up on the spot. After all, <laughs> yeah, it's just entirely but, true. You know, it's, it's just ninety seven percent of statisticians agree that eighty six percent of all statistics are made up on the spot. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, poll. Yeah. I, I take polls with a grain of salt, um, but it, but they uh, they give us a little bit of an insight. They're they're like a, a almost an out of whack barometer. Yeah, I mean, depending on the poll size, especially like if if you get a really big number, then yeah, I I can see the numbers playing into it. You know, being a role, especially if they're they're very diverse, taken across the entire country, not just, you know, let's go out to this block in New York City and see how see how things happen. Yeah, for sure. You know, JT, something just occurred to me. Um, yeah. Do you think treason figures into this anyway, any place? And what questions do you think that that raises? Like, well. I was listening to NPR the other day, and they were talking about impeachment proceedings. And, and okay. I sort of agreed with this gentleman they had on. And he was talking about how impeachment proceedings would be a good thing for the country uh, in, the, in the case of our current president. Simply because what it would do is get all the accusations that are meaningful out into the public light and all the, the rumors and the stuff that isn't going to stick that, that goes away. Like that's a, saying, basically we're not hmm. going to, we're, we're not going to look at this because it's, it's too ridiculous. There's not enough evidence. It'd so, be inadmissible. Right. Almost. Yeah. So they look at yeah. only the, the most serious of, of the offenses. That's and an I think that would, point. that would clear a lot of things up in a lot of Americans' minds. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah, I found it. A, it was an interesting perspective. And yeah. um, as far as treason's concerned, well, <laughs> whoo. Well, like the reason I brought that up is because I, I've been thinking about it outside of the context of this conversation of I, I feel like that would turn on what our actual what our actual 
relationship with Russia is. Yeah, because like, when you consider is, the yeah, no, no, we're no, not no, a, we're on. not at all at war with Russia. Like, yeah, and it's, and. And I haven't done the research to really figure it out, but I have a feeling that that's kind of what the founders had in mind when they wrote the only – as we've discussed before, the only piece of criminal law in the Constitution is treason. And it's about adhering to uh, America's enemies, giving them aid and comfort. Well, enemy, you could easily infer that means people – like countries at which we're at war, you know. If international relations were Facebook <laughs> and you had the relationship status, you'd have, you know, like at war, at peace, allied, and it's complicated. Right. Uh, and I feel and like we're in it's complicated territory of Russia ju- right now. Just to remind our audience, the, the wording in, in Article uh, Article 3, Section 3 states, yeah, yeah. treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. Yeah. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or on confession in open court. And there it is. That is the definition of treason. Yeah. So and I, I feel like a yeah. treason charge would be very, very difficult to process. It's all in yeah. the interpretation of our relationship with Russia and the Russian yeah. government. And as dastardly as a potential, a probable campaign to fuck with us. <laughs> that's that's I think what it really comes down to is they did it to fuck with us. Uh, I'm I'm not at all into conspiracy <laughs> theories at all. In fact, I I'm ninety I would say ninety nine percent of them are bunk. Like, but the one of the things that makes the most sense uh, is that he is that the president's secretly a Russian agent, like working to sow discord among, amongst the Americans to in order to bring their democracy down and bring it into a state of destabilization, mm-hmm. which that makes sense given what I'm seeing. Like we are in utter chaos right now. Yeah. Well, we're, I div- mean, we're, we're, we're divided. And, but the thing is we've got a very healthy, uh, democracy or very, we have, we've had a democracy for such a long time. We know how to deal with this. Okay. Like, yeah. Like I have faith in in the American people that we we know how to deal with the bullshit. Yeah. Unlike places like uh, Brazil, for example, where you had another very. Oh yeah. Uh, I would say it's yeah. a, a right winger. He's, he's called the 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 Trump of the tropics. Uh, was recently elected in Brazil, mm-hmm. but they have a very young democracy. I mean, yeah. very very young. It's very recent. And, like, and and they're not used to the bullshit. We were discussing this a little while ago, and it, it was like I, they're very recently stable. Like they're a basket. They, like historically, they've been a basket case of a democracy. Yes, uh, tragically so. I mean, no fault of any Brazilian really. It's just the way that history has kind of gone for them. And like, right. and, and, and again, like as Americans, we can't really be that triumphal about having a stronger democracy than anybody else you know right. it's just sometimes it's but, just the way it goes yeah yeah now do i going back to the original point do i think donald trump's a russian agent no i i, I don't buy it i no i don't either I, not at it's all it's like but and, uh yeah. would it explain so much yeah what but i know it's not true <laughs> <laughs> it would explain a lot, wouldn't it? But it's got to be more complicated than that. I, I feel like his yeah. motivation would have been money. I mean, not not necessarily the power. He, he loves money and he loves his own ego, yeah. like incredibly so. And yeah. I, I I don't think he would completely sell out to the Russians. But that's not to say that the Russian government did not have some sort of influence on yeah. the 2016 election. It's not like Timothy Dalton from The Rocketeer, where right. he's like he's a straight up Nazi and he's got like brown shirts in his like boudoir. Like 
<laughs> yeah, and then you got the then you got the FBI and and the mobsters <laughs> fighting each other. I always I might be a cr- that movie where you I had, might be uh, a criminal, what, but I'm all American. What was his name? Paul Sorvino. Yeah. What, what, just you see him, you know, the big mob boss firing the machine gun at the Nazis, and then right next to him is the FBI guy doing the same thing. And at one point, they both stop and just look <laughs> at each other. And Paul Sorvino just sort of gives this little smile and then goes right back to shooting yeah. Nazis. Yeah, he was like, I'm. Might be a crook, but I'm all American. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, like on the point of the whole, even the whole Russian influence campaign. There's like, I feel like it's an easy out to say that ooh, Russia did this to us. Did they? Did they do this to us, or did they exploit something that we were already kind of open to? I, I I'm more leaning towards the latter on that. Like, yeah, I, I, I that, think that they knew the loopholes, they knew the system, and they, they knew, knew the they knew the cultural system. Yeah, they, they knew, knew that they knew that we were already kind of like going down a weird rabbit hole of hating each other to a certain yeah. extent. I mean, and, considering and like, the way that the, the way that liberals talk about conservatives and the way conservatives talk about yeah, liberals, yeah. especially. Yeah, um, it, exactly, and just like we're polarizing to the extreme, and it isn't that poor us that Russia came and manipulated us into hating each other. It's like no, they came in and they they were like pushing like like grab grab the nerves in your upper arm and watch your fingers flex. That's what they were doing. That yeah. that pathway was already open, and it, it's just we have to take some responsibility right. for how we relate to each other. And um, that's something I worry about with the Democrats uh, yes. is, is that they might go too hard on Russia did this, Russia did that Poor us. We are innocent. Uh, I don't believe that for one bit. Yeah. We need to take responsibility for our own Republic. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the republic, the American Republic is the Americans' responsibility to maintain and to care for and to nurture, and we need to think about that. And it's something you know, a lot of people are more interested in in going shopping or mm-hmm. you know just. I would say using escapism. You know, as as a coping mechanism for dealing with today's world, and it's like they don't want to just go out there and face the facts and try mm-hmm. to you know be a part of something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that they think that uh, they're the only thing that matters in the world. It's that they feel insignificant or apathetic about it. Like, why should I? bother trying to change anything mm-hmm. um it's yeah it, it's yeah. actually a very uh, it's a very postmodernist uh sense because mm-hmm. you have the idea if you compare and contrast modernism postmodernism modernism being you know think the empire state building uh <laughs> it means through hard work you're gonna get uh you're gonna get good things as long as you work hard Postmodernism came after we developed the atomic bomb, and it's like, what's the point of working hard if all of a sudden, in a blink of an eye, all of it's gone? Like, what's so? What's the point? And I feel like the the postmodernist sense has sort of clashed with uh, the the more modernist sense of our uh, our political system, almost because. Our, our, the American democracy, I mean, moder- uh, modernism wasn't really developed until, you know, the mid-1800s. So, mm-hmm. in a way, our repu- the way our republic was formed sort of predated modernism. Um, I can't even remember where I was going with this, damn it. <laughs> no, I tot- no, I totally feel you on yeah. that. Because, like, I, 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 like j- just to tie back what you were just, what you were just saying— that was really the whole reason why we started this podcast is because we're concerned about that and we would like to model in our smallest possible way. How can you talk to one another 
to re to re to, 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 to like form a new grasp on your republic and what and all those other ideas like it, it's just like we came to this podcast with a concern of for where the political discussion was going and we really have to be able to have these kinds of conversations with one another even though like you and i unfortunately you and i agree on a little too much yeah yeah. (laughs) we do like we're old friends and you know there's a reason for that but you know it's just that's our whole thing is we we want to be able to to feel comfortable enough with each other as citizens and friend, like a citizen is a friend who is also a stranger. Very That's really well what. Put. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a friend of mine. I, I'm not going to take personal credit for that. A friend of mine that I respect greatly uh, put that to me once. Is citizenship is practicing friendship to the stranger, and that really is what it's about. And that's just, that's just part of being a good human being. It is, like, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, we've got fucking razor ads telling us what it's like to be a good human being. Like it's, <laughs> so, yeah. The fact so, that we need the fact that we need Gillette to be like giving us a like a solid demonstration of what it means to be a good person. It's just like, wow. Okay, what the fuck has gone so wrong that we have to be having this conversation? Well, it's the kind of thing that goes wrong enough that. Uh, a half-assed Russian intelligence operation can put us in such a weird position that we're electing a orange-haired reality TV star to president. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm going to raise my glass and say, here's to the friendly strangers. Here is to the friendly stranger. Open your door and your mind and your heart in Vina Veritas. In Vino Veritas. Anything else in the news you want to talk about, JT? Uh, How about Michael Cohen? Yeah. Apparently his family was threatened, so he doesn't want to give congressional testimony, and then he was subpoenaed. And yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're going to give uh, testimony. Yeah, and with assurances. Like, yeah. yeah. And my problem is... Who the fuck is blackmailing him? <laughs> like oh, who's who you... th- who's making the threats here? Like uh... that's what I want to know is who's making these threats against his family to keep him from testifying. That means he knows something. I mean I somebody wanna... somebody out there is afraid of this guy. I don't want to supervene the process, but who do you think? <laughs> Gee. I'll give you two guesses, but you're only going to need one. <laughs> this is a bit like whose person, who, who's the head of organization one who spends all of their time at the Ecuadorian embassy? It's like, oh, I wonder who that could be. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Like, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of tainting. And it, like, I, there's yeah. no jury pool that we're tainting realistically i've seen our numbers but (laughs) (laughs) But there are dozens of us dozens it's it's like but still like i mean we could speculate wildly for the sake of entertainment but also you know who knows but also who the fuck you think you know (laughs) take a wild guess Uh, yeah, well, th- this is an interesting story because I wasn't expecting Michael Cohen to to initially voluntarily come before uh, Congress to testify because I had a feeling that, you know, Mueller isn't quite done with him, yeah. from my understanding. I, w- I wonder if he's got, like, a seriously guilty conscience. Like, Yeah, I don't know. It, it's well, one of those that maybe, like, he started out just being Donald Trump's lawyer and then he ended up you know, being taken by the hand down this rabbit hole. And he knew it was his job. He was getting paid to do it. And he stuck it out as long as he possibly could. Um, I wonder if that's that's what it is or if he's just <sighs> trying to take, you know, get some easier treatment on himself. I don't know. I, really I think don't. there I think there's a bit of that. I mean, ju- but just you, but uh, you don't as, threaten a man's family and he shouldn't. 
oh, what was that about the dog? Somebody threatened, Roger Stoner threatened uh, uh, somebody's dog. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you were talking about, yeah, yeah. yeah. Before we hit record, we talked about this. Yeah, it's in the indictment. Yeah. Uh, Read about Roger Stone threatening to to take away somebody's dog. Yeah, that's absolutely monstrous. It's like like Wicked Witch of the West territory. Miss Gulch, that, you know. That, like, that actually reminds me of one of the best responses to an Ann Coulter tweet I have ever seen. Please. It was it was right after the midterms, Ann Coulter texted or she tweeted the words Kansas, you're dead to me, or something along those lines. <laughs> and somebody replied, Ann Coulter, you haven't been happy with Kansas since they dropped a house on your on your sister. <laughs> <laughs> And I laughed so hard when I saw that. Touche, Twitter. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, well, yeah. Don't threaten a guy's dog. Come yeah, on. you don't. You don't go after the dog. The dog has done literally nothing. But love. L- literally nothing. But love. Not all doggos are good boys. Some of them are good girls. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. <laughs> there we go. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, JT. I mean, that really, I, it doesn't really do justice to the insanity that has gone on around us. But everything it's a good has start. fallen apart. Hey, we we got like. On the bright side, the doomsday clock didn't move any further ahead. It's still stuck at two minutes to midnight, which is the closest it's ever been to midnight. Uh, hey, I'll take it. I'll take yeah, two minutes. Th- there we go. Two minutes to midnight. I'll take yep, it. This is this is our two minute warning. You know, just don't don't fuck this up. You know. Well, well, my Moscow mule is just about en- empty. JT. Yep. Mm. Dig that ASMR, listeners. Oh, yeah. We we were talking before the show about how we should maybe start up an ASMR channel where it's just us making drinking noises. Yeah. <laughs> just our, sta- our, our standard it. drinking you'll, noises. You'll hear the ice clink and you'll just... Yep. You'll hear all of the <sighs> ice clinks, the sips, the grunts, the sighs, <laughs> every single sensation you have ever dreamt of in the realm of moderate drinking, which is what I'd like to think is what we're doing. Uh, JT, I, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but this is the bulk of my drinking, these podcasts. And yeah, it's, uh, pretty much. It, it shows. <laughs> if you can. Well, I feel like this hiatus is good for our, our tolerance levels because if we lower our tolerance levels, the, the better the show will be, right? Yeah, well, that, that, is that how okay. that works? I think it is. That's that's definitely one theory. Uh, we could. I mean, it definitely. It makes me a cheaper date. <laughs> yep. There's that. There's that too. You know. But happily taken. But anyway. Um. Well, JT. I don't know. Do you want to call it a call it an episode? This is uh, this has been a pretty pretty good I'm, pretty good discussion. I, I think I am hearing the Illuminati calling. Yeah. Uh, we preempted that. Well, they found us. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> I, it was bound to happen. You just got to embrace it and throw ourselves at the mercy of their of their pyramid. Uh, they look, the eye at the top. They look pissed. Yeah. Well, you know. When you get one eye at the top of a pyramid, you got to be very expressive in in how you show yourself. So, yeah, they're very I bet angry. They, I bet they lost that other eye to a Red Ryder BB gun. Yeah. <laughs> go. That's the way to go. That's the way to end this episode. Yeah. Well, there uh, it is. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, concerns cocktail recipes drop us a line at cocktailpartycongress at gmail.com we are still alive there uh royalty free music courtesy of uh kevin mcleod yeah you remember uh, you can find (laughs) yeah there we go i I could do this shit too uh you can find (laughs) that you can find our intro intro which is darksy land and more royalty free music at uh incomputech.com 
yeah, I was just like curious if you, like you paused enough for me to wonder, and then you you pulled through. I paused so. enough for me rem- to remember. That's the way that went. There we go. Well, yes. So, uh, no. Yeah. Uh, I suppose until next time. Until next time, listeners. We will try to do this a little more often. You know. In vino veritas. In vino veritas. Listeners, Election Day has come and gone, and with the democratic process, the American people have chosen their elected representatives in government and put them into power to carry out their respective platforms. There are many new faces that we will see adorning our newspapers and television screens, along with some familiar ones. But the point of the matter is that you, the voters, cared enough to go out and cast your ballots. The issues were important enough for you to go out of your way in the middle of the work week to participate in the democratic process. You felt the responsibility of caring. This is part of why we started this podcast. We cared enough to understand that there are larger and more important things than ourselves. This is what drives and motivates people into volunteering at homeless shelters, into donating to charities, or joining the Peace Corps. This is what starts podcasts, what gets books written, what draws volunteers into their local recruiting offices. The sacred bond between all of these people is that they care. They take it upon themselves to make sacrifices for a greater purpose. The reasons may differ, along with their end goals, but at the heart of the matter, these are people that take it upon themselves the responsibility of action, turning the abstract concepts of morality and ethics into real-world actions. There is much to be discovered through the power of empathy, Sharing our experiences with others offers varying perspectives on life and serves as a conduit through which our own thoughts may be rerouted to new and exciting ideas and endeavors. Thought becomes action, and action manifests itself into the changes we wish to see in the world. But action can be suffocated by apathy. Apathy breeds inaction. And unless we care enough about what we want the world to be, the status quo of misery will remain in place. What I am trying to say to you, dear listeners, is that you should start caring. There is almost no limit to what the human race can do if we simply started giving a damn. Of course, it should not stop with you. Pass on your experiences to others and find a way to get them to start caring. By no means is that an easy task. Quite often you might find yourself screaming at brick walls of apathy as people give you the cold shoulder. Don't let that discourage you, though. These things take time, patience, and a great deal of dedication. What you need to remember is that there are many others just like you. They're fighting the same fight. Everywhere you go, there will always be people just like you that care enough about the issues that they too are shouting and screaming at brick walls. You may not realize it, but they're there. You are not alone in your struggles. Empathy is part of what makes us human. Our status as social creatures has helped the human race survive for thousands of years. And empathy can be considered part of what has allowed us to do so. We care for our neighbors. The virtues of helping others less fortunate is practically universal across all human cultures and is considered to be a most noble virtue. I therefore challenge you, become a more caring person. Start caring about the issues, and start caring about your fellow human beings. We are all stuck here on this lonely little planet, and there is no reason for us to make our lives miserable. All you have to do is start giving a damn. The Republic still stands. <laughs>